Welcome to Consulting Growth Hour with me, Fahim Musa, where I break down key growth concepts so you can build a thriving consulting business. Check out the show notes for presentations and handouts as we go deep into the rabbit hole of consulting. Let's get started. All right. Thank you, folks. Thanks again for, for coming for the second edition of the Consulting Growth Hour. Right, so today's topic is the consultant's guide to marketing strategy and how to execute it. Okay, marketing and strategy are two big words. People use both these words a lot. And, you know, sometimes I feel that most people don't know what these words mean. Marketing has a marketing problem. Um, and of course, strategy has been is a word that's been thrown around a lot. And again, most people don't know what that means. So we're going to dive into those things um, as we get into the presentation. Uh, not, the, not a presentation, all right? But it's just a session. Um, but um, before, before, we, before we get into uh, all of those things, I want to talk about you know, who this topic is for. It's very specific. Um, it's for business to business consultants, of course, uh, who have reached a stage where, you know, they've grown their business in the early days through referrals. They've got a few customers. You perhaps have reached, you know, high five figures or six figures in revenues. Um, but you're doing many different types of projects, right, with many different types of clients. Um, and that can be exhausting. Right. In the early days, you know, typically a consultant grows their business uh, using obviously starting off with their expertise. They have an expertise. That's why they become consultants. And then they start reaching out to their network. Right. And through those relationships, they land their first few clients. Right. Um, it's a great way to get your business off the ground. Um, but uh, oftentimes what happens is, you know, you keep doing what the client wants, right? And no matter uh, which industry the client is or the type of outcome they want, you, you basically tailor what you uh, can do for the client, right? Uh, that's great for cash flow. That's nothing, it's not wrong to do that. It's great for cash flow in the early days. But what really happens as time goes on, a few years down the line, you have many different clients with many different types of uh, uh, um, uh, projects, and suddenly you're wondering, who are you to whom, right? As a business person, um, who are you to whom, right? And if you don't answer those questions, then it's really hard to put together a marketing plan in order to grow further, right? So in, the, in such situations, you simply become like an order taker, like, uh, like I was. Uh, many of you uh, here know my background, Right. When I was a management consultant, I, I, in the early days, I reached out to my network and I landed, I landed a lot of clients. I got uh, my biggest client was, you know, an academic institution. Uh, I was helping um, an academic institution to, um, you know, build startups within um, their environment. I was working with the business commercialization department there. Then I had an outsourcing client, completely unrelated. It was an outsourcing company, pretty decent sized one, helping them with strategic planning. Then I had a consumer goods 
a brand, you know, they, they make shampoos and stuff. Um, again, helping them with strategic planning and raising money. Um, and then I had a digital signage slash media company, digital media company. So they're all different clients, right? Um, and I got to six figures pretty easily. The money was good, the cash flow was good, but they're all different types of clients. And what happened was there was a learning curve, right? As a strategic planning consultant, uh, business planning consultant, there was a bit of a learning curve that I had to um, go through in order to be valuable to these clients. And because of that, I lost a lot of time. And guess what? The other thing is I couldn't charge premium fees uh, to these clients because I was not a specialist. People will pay premium fees for a specialist, but because I was a bits and pieces consultant, like I would do whatever a client wants using my core skill of, uh, of strategic planning, um, it was really hard for me to charge the kind of fees that I wanted, right? So that's the stage. If, if this resonates with, with people, let me just take a quick, um, you know, a quick piece of feedback. If, does this resonate with uh, any of you folks here? Uh, please type in the chat because this is when you need marketing strategy. Up until now, you know, you don't need uh, yeah, marketing strategy is not um, as important um, in this in this stage that I uh, uh, I talked about because you're essentially you're promoting yourself based on who you know, right? And you use a little bit of your business skills and your core expertise, and then you simply become an order taker from clients, right? That's okay. I did that. A lot of people do that, right? Um, so I. I'm looking at the chat and like you know, a lot of people are saying yes. So I'm glad it resonates. And, you know, having worked with several consultants on uh, growing their businesses, I know that this is a problem, a real big problem in the market. It's not a problem per se that it's a really bad thing. No, because at the end of the day, if it gives you cash flow as a business person, uh, when you're starting off your business, it's perfectly fine. Do it. Do whatever it takes to get your cash flow up and running so you can kind of, you know, cover your expenses and make some money. But if you want to grow your business beyond that, um, then you got to start thinking differently, right? So that's the reason I've chosen this topic, okay? So if you want to grow your business in a meaningful way without stress or sacrificing a lot of your time and energy, you know, and easily add 100,000 to 500,000 revenues uh, per year, then you need what is known, what is called a marketing strategy. Right? If you want to charge more fees right, and increase your profitability, right? and more importantly, more than the money, you know, what I really craved as a consultant uh, was that I wanted to be known in my industry, I, not just for the fame, but I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to you know, contribute my knowledge and expertise and you know, give my best to the industry and the satisfaction of having the satisfaction of uh, being known for getting exceptional results for my clients and having my client having the best dream clients come to me because they wanted to work with me and not you know me chasing them around right that was a real uh, big goal i wanted to create impact right and i very quickly realized that if i was bits and pieces here and there i mean yes the cash flow was good but am i creating the right impact am i kind of giving my best to the world Right and to my industry and to my stakeholders. So, um, and in my case, the answer was no. So I had to kind of 
you know, take a step back and understand what I was doing in the first in the first place to kind of you know build my business. And the other you know benefit of, of figuring out your marketing strategy is that it'll help you relax and be more confident because when you have um, a path, when you have a an approach that works, you know that your business is growing. And you know that, you know, looking at certain metrics um, um, uh, uh, in your business, you know that this is something that you can kind of, uh, you have some kind of control over. Otherwise, it's really hard to have control over where the next client is going to come from, right? You're, um, um, you're focusing specifically on referrals and introductions from your network, and you don't know where your client is going to come from. That's, that's stressful. But when you have a plan, a marketing plan and a strategy, then those, um, if provided you do it right and you nail it, those, those you know, concerns almost disappear. I'm not saying you are not going to have challenges in your business. You're always going to have some challenges in your business, but you know, not the kind of challenges that are going to keep you up at night wondering you know, where you're going to get your next, get, get your next client from and you know, where all this is headed. So if that's something that you... Um, resonate with if this is where you are in your business then you need a marketing strategy okay so let's just dive in and understand what these terms are if you're just joining us i was uh, 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 talking a little while earlier uh, about these two terms marketing and strategy they're just so widely used that most people don't know what it means what they mean right so before we if i talk about what marketing strategy before you know why a marketing strategy is important and how, how you can kind of create one. Let's lay out the definitions, okay? What is marketing and what is strategy? To me, marketing is simply activities that um, allow you to generate demand, right? Demand generation is what marketing means to me. Strategy, on the other hand, is nothing but focus, right? Strategy means focus choosing what activities you will do and choosing what activities you will not do, okay? So then marketing strategy, um, if you put those two definitions together, is, is nothing but how can you focus your limited resources in order to generate demand and get the best outcome for your business, okay? How can you focus your limited resources in order to generate demand and get the best outcome for your business? As a small business owner, we all, you all have, we, I all have, I have, you know, limited resources, right? You have limited money and you have limited energy. And what's the third resource that you have limited uh, supply of? Anybody in the chat? It's the most important resource. Yes. Thanks, John. Time. As small business owners, we have limited money, limited energy, and limited time. So when we have a limited supply of these things, isn't it natural that we focus and learn how to use these resources in the best way that generates demand for our businesses and gets the best outcome for, for our businesses, right? That's what marketing strategy is all about, right? That's what you, you need to focus on in order to, you know, take your business and get all those benefits that I talked about a little while earlier, like high revenues and profitability and confidence and being able to relax and, um, and more free time, right? So 
we've talked about what marketing strategy is, and now I want to introduce to you um, three pillars of a solid marketing strategy. And by the way, um, just keep uh, popping your questions in the chat box. I'm going to take questions in the end. I'm happy to kind of, uh, you know, um, make sure that we have enough time for questions because I know a, a lot of you will have questions. So as I'm speaking, just uh, feel free to, to type your questions uh, in, uh, in the chat. Okay, so let's get into the three pillars of, of marketing strategy. Okay, the three pillars are what, who, and how. What, you, uh, uh, what your expertise is, who you serve, and how you solve their problems. Right? There's a reason I gave out these three pillars all at once and not just one by one, because this is not a step-by-step -step thing. What, who, and how are concepts that you need to be thinking about in tandem. They all, they feed off one another. So it's not like you choose the what, then you choose the how, the who, and then you choose the how. No, these are all, they all relate to one another. And I'm going to give you several examples that uh, hopefully will uh, clarify uh, these concepts better for you. So um, what, who, and how are, are like three, the three pillars, like three pillars that are holding up a house, for example, or the three legs of, of a stool. Think of it, think of uh, them that way. They're holding up the, the foundation of the business, right? So let's uh, start with the what, um, and then we can move on to the who and the, the how. So when it comes to what, I mean, it's your expertise, right? You're a consultant, you're, you're an expert, right? You've got certain knowledge and certain skills uh, that you bring to the table and you've got to really nail down um, what you're best at, right? So in the early days, all you need is expertise and, and, and relationships to build a business, right? So um, your expertise could be anything like, mine was strategic planning, um, it could be HR strategy, human resources strategy. It could be, if you're an IT consultant, it could be, you know, internet of things, or, you know, you could be a Microsoft 365 uh, expert, or you could be an Oracle ERP expert. Um, if you're another type of management consultant, you could be an innovation management consultant, a consultant that raises money, for example. There are so many different uh, ways you can bring your expertise to market and, you know, um, the first thing you've got to be very, very clear of is what is that expertise that you bring to the market? At this stage in your business, most of you over here, you've, you're doing different things, right? That's, uh, you, you, you've, uh, you, uh, you use parts of your expertise, but you do different things uh, for different types of clients. Just because you know operations and you're an operations expert, if, if a client says, you know, do some project management for me, you're going to do it if there's money in it because you know project management, right? It's a, uh, it's a common skill, my uh, 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 management skill, and you'll do it. So you'll do some project management, you'll do some operations, you'll do a bit of this, you'll do a bit of finance, et cetera, et cetera. And then suddenly you're like doing five different things, right? Um, so when you want to put together a marketing plan and a strategy, you've got to choose your best expertise. What are you the best at, right? And in tandem, you've got to understand, okay, I've chosen, I'm great at innovation management, but, you know, who can I get the best results for, right? The who part is, um, there's many ways to, to land on 
the who and kind of narrow down around your focus. But then the first question you need to, you need to be asking yourself is, who do I serve uh, and who do I get the best results for? Because at the end of the day, as an expert, as a consultant, uh, it's all about results. You want to get results and outcomes for your clients. Otherwise, you're not going to be hired again, right? So who, how, where can you use your best expertise? And, you know, where is that, that corner of the world uh, where I can get the best uh, results, right? And so basically, you've got to um, look at your past work and look at your past clients and understand where you got the best results and can I zone in on, on that type of client? Now, there are many ways to skin the cat here in terms of narrowing down on who you want to serve, right? There are, I'll talk about three. One is you can, you can narrow down your market by verticals, which is the industry type, right? And you can narrow down by, you know, uh, horizontally, where you know you don't go by industry type, but you can you know you pick um, companies and a market across industries, and finally it's you know a way you way you can kind of um, segment the market is to is through you know a customer based segmentation. Let's get into each one of these. I mean these are it's the big big topic, but I want to try and like you know summarize them uh, as much as possible. Let's talk about verticals first. And this is my favorite um, for a small business, um, for especially consultants and business to business, B2B consultants. If you can focus on a vertical, that's where you know, I've found the, you know, the most success. From my experience and my clients' experiences, when you focus on a specific industry type and you say you are an X consultant for X type of industry, and here's the results you get, that makes your positioning very, very strong. Because when you do that, you, let's say you're a expert in uh, um, innovation and you've, you, you've, you've done 20 years of work in, the, in, in big pharma, right? So you know everything about big pharma because you've, you know, you're an executive in that, in, uh, in that industry and you focus your consulting um, practice on, on helping pharmaceutical companies innovate, right? So by that, you can, when you have a, a, a conversation with a prospect, you're going to be, you're, you know, you understand the lingo of big pharma, you understand, you know, uh, considerations such as regulations, you know, the trade secrets of that uh, industry and how things work, you know, the jargon that's been, that's used. And essentially, you've got results for that industry, specific industry. There's a peculiar, peculiar uh, thing that happens in business-to-business -business buying, right? B2B buyers, you know, in my 20 years of selling, they have a question that they always ask you, mostly. They ask you, have you worked in this industry before? Have you done this type of work before, right? It's something that they, they it's really, really important to them. And, you know, you can't blame them because every industry is different. And sometimes when you find that you're trying to break into a new industry and you haven't done work in that industry before, you'll likely lose out to somebody else who's, who knows that industry intimately, right? So that's why, if possible, um, when you're developing a, a, a strategy for yourself, a focus for yourself, right? Try and match your expertise with an industry vertical that you know intimately well. Okay, that's where you get the biggest and fastest bang for your buck. But 
I understand that not all of you will be uh, in, the, in the position where you want to focus on a specific industry, right? And that's okay too. There are consultants and business owners that have become very successful by focusing on you know, a horizontal segment of the market. So you can go, you can kind of, you know, uh, go across industries, but maybe you focus on a specific geography. Let's say you, you choose the tri-state area, you know, New York, uh, Connecticut, and whatever the other, the other third state is. Um, let's say you choose that uh, geography and focus uh, on, you know, serving different types of clients in that industry. I've, have, I've had a client, HR strategy client that has uh, that did something similar, um, but 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 she chose you know a specific size of client, like clients that were five hundred to thousand employees, right? But it was you know across industries that can work too. But uh, in my experience, um, sales are not as fast um, as when you focus on a vertical, because when you focus on a vertical, you're able to have those sales conversations. Um, far more confidently and you kind of inspire confidence in, in the prospect of the buyer. That's, uh, that's what I've always seen. But it's not impossible to have a horizontal focus, maybe choosing a geographical, a geographical area and kind of you know, um, um, going off of that market. The third way to skin the cat in terms of the who is you know, what I call a customer-focused way of segmenting the market. So I have a client who focuses on minority-owned businesses, right? So that's a, customer, a specific type of customer or a client or a type of business that's, uh, that's characterized by uh, the owner of the business, right? Minority-owned businesses is, uh, can be a segment. Venture capital-funded startups, right? Different types of startups, different types of technologies, but they're specifically venture, venture capital funded. That's another example of, you know, segmenting based on customer characteristics. So when you segment the market, make sure that you, you're segmenting and you're choosing characters, you're segmenting in a way which is meaningful to go in and, you know, make an offering. Don't just segment just for the sake of segmenting the business, right? Remember, you're focusing the business because you want to apply your, uh, use your limited resources and get the best outcome, right? So the whole point of focusing is to make sure that, you know, to do it in a way which gets the best outcome. So there has to be, you know, some um, um, meaningful way that you, that you, that you segment and, and slice and dice the market, okay? So that's as far as uh, who is concerned. The key when it comes to who is, again, try and be as narrow as possible, but at the same time, um, making sure that you have, um, you can build a viable business in that market. I like to make sure that any business that a consultant, my, my clients go into, has at least 1,000 potential customers in that market, right? And I'm talking mainly from, you know, a, a, a small to mid-sized business. Uh, 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 perspective. Of course, if you're targeting Fortune 500 companies, then by definition, you can only have 500 companies in your market. But typically, a lot of consultants, they uh, focus on the small to the mid-sized. When I say small, it's under 1,000 um, uh, employees. Mid-sized is 1,000 to 10,000. So if you're focusing on, on that 
a size of business, make sure that if you at least have a thousand firms in the market, less than a thousand small businesses and you know, even mid-sized businesses, I would say it's, uh, you know, uh, in most cases, um, too narrow. But if you have a thousand plus, um, within that thousand, if you have, you know, 30 or 40 competitors and other consultants, consulting firms such as yourself, then that makes it very crowded. But if you have, let's say 10, just around 10 competitors and a thousand firms, that means that that market is not very saturated, right? So you, you, there is value in doing market research before you dive into a market to ensure that you're jumping into a market, uh, that you're choosing a market that is not saturated, right? Again, this is a big topic. I just wanted to lay out the outline of how I think about choosing markets. But uh, when it comes to the who, um, be as narrow as possible, but also pick a market that where you can kind of, which is growing and where you can build a viable uh, business off of. Remember, as a B2B consultant, you don't, you're not a mass marketer, right? You, at best, you, you, we need five to 10 clients a year, you know, paying us like a hundred to $200,000 and you could build a very, very successful business. Most of us are in that, um, um, we'll have those kinds of aspirations. So you don't need to have tens of thousands of businesses in a segment uh, in order to make, in order to win, okay? All right, so that is as far as the who is concerned. Now let's talk about the third pillar. The third pillar is the how. We've talked about what, you've chosen the expertise that you're best at, you have, uh, narrowed down and you've chosen a market that you feel is viable okay now you gotta put put to put together how you're going to solve those core problems in that market in a way which you know um, relates to your expertise what problems is the market face is the market facing or, or potential prospective clients facing where you could go in and and help, right? So you got to look at look at it in terms of let's just imagine a, a blank page. On the bottom left is you know where your clients and the, where the market is right now, what they're struggling with, right? And on the top right hand corner is you know where they want to be, what what what, are, what the desired outcomes are, and essentially your job as a consultant is to take them from where they are to their desired outcome, where they want to be, right? So when you're um, sussing out problems faced by the market, I like to look at, look at it in terms of you know, um, a few things. When you say a, a market is struggling or a prospective client is struggling, you need to ask questions such as, what are they fed up with? Um, what currently is the biggest pain that they're facing? that buyers are facing in the market, that stakeholders are facing in the market? What are the options that they have that they you know, don't like? What is stopping them from reaching their destination or their desired outcome, right? I'm gonna give you an example uh, uh, on this, so stay with me. So that, those are the kind of questions that you need to ask yourself, I need to ask your market and observe and understand and, 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 and keep in mind uh, because you need to know what they're going through in order for you to kind of uh, put together a solution for them. 
They need to, need to also understand the desired outcome. So uh, when it comes to a desired outcome, um, how do you define that? So I define them in four ways. You need to ask yourself in your market, what do, what do prospective clients you know, want to win, right? What do they want to win? What do they want to retrieve, right? Or win back? What do they want to escape or just, you know, get rid of? Um, and what do they want to stop? Win, retrieve, escape, and stop. If you answer these questions, you'll understand um, the desired outcome of the client, right? So as an example, you know, I had a client, uh, a very successful uh, aerospace uh, executive a couple of years ago. Uh, and, you know, he's a, a manufacturing expert, right? He's, uh, he's been in operations and manufacturing and program management for about 30 years in the aerospace business and, you know, started a consulting business. Um, so we started doing this exercise of, you know, it was pretty obvious what his uh, expertise was. His expertise was in program management, product project management. Right, uh, and his market was, you know, aerospace manufacturers. Um, and now we've got to figure, had to figure out, okay, how do you how do you uh, put together an offering that will help them help you solve their problems? So then we started taking a look at the problems of the aerospace market. Now, the aerospace market, like in any manufacturing, um, um, you know, uh, environment, there are different tiers of supplies and, and manufacturers it's tier ones which are the top of the line manufacturers then there's tier two which are you know in the middle and then there's tier three which are the smaller supplies just up and coming ones okay so uh, tier one is the top tier two is you know they're in between three and one and the and the and the, and the smaller manufacturers are tier three and you know the tier three manufacturers they wanted to you know be known as as tier two, because then they get better customers, better margins, better prices. And the tier two manufacturers, they want to be tier one manufacturers, right? So they're, they're clear aspirations in the market. And as um, you know, an expert in the market, the, my client knew exactly uh, what was going on, right? So then we talked about, okay, what are these companies uh, fed up with what? Where do they want to go? What are they? What are the options that they have that they're um, uh, they, they they don't like? So it apparently it turned out that the tier three and tier two uh, manufacturers were very very frustrated um, with their own suppliers of parts. Right? These are they're all parts manufacturers for, for the aerospace industry. The supplier, their their suppliers uh, were now never on time. They had quality issues. Um, and as a result, these companies couldn't deliver to their customers, right? It was a perennial problem in the industry. And my client knew that, but you know, nobody else was kind of uh, addressing that, uh, that issue. So my client, um, and obviously, you know, the desired outcome for these uh, uh, manufacturers were, you know, they wanted to go one level up. The tier threes wanted to become tier twos. The tier twos wanted to become the tier ones. Tier ones wanted to, you know, be playing, you know, the OEM uh, originally equipment manufacturer uh, 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 level. But the the market that my customer chose, my client chose, was the tier two, which would help the tier twos and the tier threes with program management, with a program management consulting offering where he would not only go in and help them, help these companies um, um, shore up their program management operation, but also work with their suppliers to make sure that those suppliers are delivering on time so that you know, these clients 
become successful. So you see how intricate and detailed this offering was and all because you know, uh, he wanted to get these clients the outcome of you know, moving up, moving one level up. So we devised this for the client and he was very successful, uh, immediately landed a few clients um, and uh, you know, grew his consulting business. So the point of the story is that by adding focus, by really you know, focusing your um, expertise, using your expertise, focusing more, preferably on a vertical that you understand um, intimately and creating a value proposition or an offering that um, takes your clients from their current struggle to their desired outcome, right? When you have these things in place, then you, you know, you're in the position to um, go to other similar clients and say, hey, you know what? I've got these results. This is what you're going through. These are your problems. I can get you from here and there. So the pitch, right, became, I don't like the word pitch, but I'm just using it because it's, uh, everybody knows what that means. The pitch became so clear. And this is something that clients in the market clearly wanted, right? Um, that conversations become very, very simple. Um, referrals increased because they would just, you know, um, uh, refer my client to, uh, to, to their peers because, you know, he was creating uh, phenomenal outcomes um, for his clients. And, you know, going out and, and talking about your business in general to prospects became very, very easy, right? Because he was doing one thing, he had one focus, and he was very, very clear on what problem he was, he was um, focusing on and, and what outcomes he uh, could get. That's where you want to be in your business. That is the outcome of a great marketing strategy, right? And when you have that in place, then again, what happens? You can charge premium fees, right? Uh, because of uh, the, uh, the the outcomes that the clear outcomes that you're uh, bringing to the market, you can work less, right? Because the learning curves are reduced. You're not jumping from industry to industry, type of client to type of client. You're so you that's you you know. Of, uh, you save a lot of time, you are far more confident because, you know, the more successes you have in that um, path, the easier it is for you to land more clients and convince, not convince, but to um, present your offering and be successful to other clients, right? And uh, you're known in that market because now people are talking about you, you're invited to, speak, to speaking events and seminars and whatnot, right? That's the benefit of focusing and focusing and setting up your business in a way which allows you to use your limited resources, that's time, energy, and money, and get the best outcome for your business. And that is marketing strategy, okay? It was a bit of a long-winded uh, example, but uh, I had to, I, I like to learn through examples. Uh, I don't like to, you know, sit and yap about theory a lot, although theory is important. But uh, um, so I hope you found that useful. I, I want to wrap up uh, before I start taking questions uh, and talk about a little bit about mindset, right? The, my, the biggest uh, thing that you need to understand when you uh, think about strategy, marketing strategy, is that this concept, this, this piece never ends, right? There's this, you always have to keep working on strategy because the market is not static, right? Things keep changing 
a lot, and especially these days where everything is you know changing so fast. You know, uh, there's a health crisis. There's the economy goes up and down. There's uh, the market. Uh, the uh, uh, keeps changing. Industries keep changing. Technology, you know, is off the hook. So as external circumstances change, you've got to, you know, move your business accordingly, and you know, uh, create a, create strategies that are that makes sense for your business. So that's why, you know, I chose this topic because this is a skill and, um, you know, a concept that business owners must know, must know how to, to handle, take charge of on their own, not outsource it to, you know, someone else and, uh, you know, use it to their benefit because the need for marketing strategy never ends, right? And as a business owner, you know, you almost have to kind of keep marketing strategy and learn marketing strategy and make it your core skill because you're going to keep using it, you know, for a long time. It never ends. I have a coach right now that I'm, you know, you, who's helping me with my own marketing strategy. It's always important. It's always, I always find it easier to kind of, you know, um, uh, talk to somebody and improve my business. It's hard to do this alone. Right. So, um, however you want to do it, you want to make sure that you learn how to do this and you keep doing it and then changing, keep changing as the market, as the tide turns in, in the industry, right? It's a skill that you, it's a must have uh, uh, in my opinion, right? So the key mindset tip is that just never think that this stuff is done. It's not a set it and forget it type of activity. It, as a business owner, you owe it to yourself to, to understand marketing strategy and you know, keep, uh, uh, keep at it. Now, here's the other thing, right? The, the three pillars that I talked about, you know, what, who, and how, it's not like, you know, you go out there and you, um, uh, you try something and you, 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 you kind of pick the three variables and everything works, right? It's, it's, it, there's a lot of experimentation that uh, you likely will have to do in order to, to get that right mix and make sure that it's, you know, it's delivering the right outcome for your business, right? So you've got the who, you've got the what, you've got the, uh, the how. Uh, think of these things as, you know, think of a door, right? There's a closed, there's a locked door and, you, and, and you know, opening that door uh, is the outcome that you want, right? Oh, and um, 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 what you need to be doing is you, you need to be you know, using different types of keys or making different types of keys that will unlock the door, right? So that's, uh, those are three variables, like the door, uh, the, uh, the, the outcome is to open the door and like the, uh, the offer, the analogy is that the, your offering or how you kind of uh, solve the problem is by the key that you uh, use, right? So your, your offer is the key and you got to keep changing the key and figuring out how to unlock the door, right? Uh, that's the, the, so that thing never, never stops, right? If, uh, if one key doesn't work, figure out another one. So if one offering doesn't work for the market, right? Uh, provided those two variables are the same, the, the, mar the, the market you've chosen is, is constant, the, the, your expertise is constant, but if the offer doesn't work, just keep changing that variable and, and uh, creating new offers for the market, 
I did it too a lot, and I still do it do it a lot. I keep changing offerings based on how the market shifts, right? So that's the mindset you got to bring in as a business owner. Um, and once you know how to do this, then you'll realize that it's a it's a very very strong competitive advantage because most people don't know how to do it. Most people will languish. Most consultants, especially, um, because they don't have the experience, they don't have the knowledge uh, in marketing, um, will you know a struggle. So if you know how to do this, then you, it's a it's going to be a natural competitive advantage that you can use for the rest of your consulting business careers. Okay. All right. So I hope that was helpful. So Mohammed Siddiqui asks, what is your recommendation for marketing medium? Okay, now a key distinction that I, I did not talk about was the difference between strategy and tactics. Like the strategy is the focus, how, do you, how you set up your business to focus, right? The, the tactics, by definition, again, are you know, the mediums and the channels that you use in order for you to um, go out and make that, make that kind of that strategy um, 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 work in terms of actually getting the clients. So those are uh, those are tactics, but still, like a strategy also has to be executed. Just the way I talked about, you know, those three those three uh, variables: the what, the the who, and the how. Uh, execution of that strategy is figuring out the right mix and you know what works, um, and and making sure that the three pillars. May, uh, you know, help your business stand. That's the execution of the strategy bit. Now, the execution of the tactics part is finding the right channels. Where do your customers hang out? Where do, um, 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 how do you reach them? How do you attract them um, and make them kind of, uh, you know, part of your community or part of your world, right? And there are various mediums for you to do that. There's no one right way to do that. It depends on where, your uh, potential uh, clients or prospective clients hang out, right? For most, for a lot of B2B uh, consultants these days, that place is LinkedIn, right? That place is um, podcasting. A lot of people listen to podcasts. It's uh, becoming mainstream. Um, LinkedIn right now uh, is a great place to, uh, to build your brand and to, um, you know, land clients, not by simply spamming them, but uh, inviting them to your world by sharing your knowledge and expertise. Those are great mediums. You know, I've seen other mediums like, uh, you know, even offline mediums. It doesn't mean that, uh, you know, in this digital age, everything is, uh, uh, is online. Uh, of course, when during the pandemic, uh, during the, the, the early, early years, early, early part of the pandemic, yes, everything was online, but uh, things are, you know, um, uh, opening up. So you have conferences, you have speaking engagements, you have, uh, it depends on where your clients and your potential clients hang out, right? So that's, a, um, there's, there's many ways uh, to skim the cat. So if you have a more specific question um, on that, okay, so you see, yeah, I mean, a website, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook to make, make demand generation. So that's what I was just saying, Mohammed, uh, uh, um, that uh, it depends on where your clients hang out. Twitter also is being used a lot um, because you know there's a uh, there's a ton of people that you can build relationships with on Twitter, and if you know how to make that channel work, it works. Most of these channels work, right? Even cold calling works, although it's not my preference. 
cold calling and cold email is not my preference at all. But I know some consultants who, who make it work. So it's not like, you know, um, there are certain things that work. There are certain things that don't work. I mean, everything works depending on how you do it, depending on how you show up in that channel. My favorite way of doing it uh, right now, uh, and you know, most of my clients um, do this, is, is use LinkedIn and use it as a channel to build your brand and, and educate your audience, build a community and build affinity. Right? When you build affinity with your audience, whether that's on your LinkedIn or, or YouTube or you know, podcasting or, or Twitter or, or whatever, um, when you build affinity and, and uh, educate the market, right? that uh, uh, endears you to your community. And when they are ready, and if they're ready, if they want to kind of hire a consultant, they'll think of you. Right? Those are the most powerful kinds of leads right? who come to you when they have a problem because they know that you're someone who may be able to solve that problem. Remember I said early, early in this, in this uh, session that one of my goals was to, um, you know, have impact and make sure that, um, you know, dream clients come to me because they want to work with me, right? Those conversations are far more enjoyable and they're, you know, they convert easier, easier. So whichever medium you choose, Muhammad, uh, make sure that you, educate your community there, you build your network over there and you draw people to you rather than, you know, sending messages indiscriminately, either on LinkedIn, sending DMs, direct messages or sending cold emails. Um, as, as trusted advisors, as consultants or trusted advisors, I simply don't recommend that, that approach where you simply go and, you know, um, bother people. Although some people do it, Right? Some people, for some for a small, minuscule percentage of the market, it, it works, but I don't recommend it. I feel that there's, there's a, there's, there are far better ways to attract the right clients, uh, and that is by brand marketing, by um, you know, putting yourself out there, educating the market, building a community, and, and sharing uh, education and value, and then attracting the right clients to, uh, to you. Okay, I hope that answers your question. So Khaled asks, is it better to start as a specialized consultant or better to test the market in different areas first? Beautiful question. I, it's one of my favorite topics. I can go on for like hours on this topic. Do you want to start as a specialist or do you want to start as a generalist? Now, it depends on you, right? Do you have specialist skills? Uh, if you have specialist skills and you've, you've figured out the three pillars, what, who, and how, then, then just jump into being a specialist because specialists are uh, in, in, in the consulting world, specialists typically make the most money, they work the, uh, you know, less, and they're, you know, if they're obviously create the, the right results and outcomes, you know, people, people come to, people go to them, right? Just like, uh, just like a generalist versus a specialist doctor, right? A generalist uh, doctor versus uh, uh, someone who is um, a pediatric, cardiologist, right? Uh, a pediatric, pediatric cardiologist is so specialized and work on, you know, just, just costly, such a costly problem uh, that uh, people are, if, they, if they're looking for a pediatric, a pediatric cardiologist, they wanna go for the best. They don't care how much money it is, they'll find the resources, right? Whereas a generalist doctor, they're like so many of them around, right? So the specialists in the medical world you know how they they uh, uh, they make the most money. 
and they're the, the most in demand for their kind of work. Uh, similarly, it works in consulting as well. Businesses, when they have a problem, when they're bleeding, when they're you know, losing money or whatnot, if they find a specialist that, they, that can help them, they'll find the resources to hire that person rather than a generalist consultant. But sometimes when you get into consulting, you're for, you don't know what to specialize in. Okay, when you don't know what to specialize in, it's perfectly okay to start as a generalist um, using the skills that, that you have um, and testing the waters in different segments um, and then making the decision of uh, becoming a specialist. So it's not wrong to be a generalist. It just depends on you know, your current situation and where you're at in, in your career and where you're, at, where you're at in your business. So in the early days, if you feel that you just have to be a consultant, you don't want to do the whole corporate nine to five, it's okay to be a generalist. It's okay to do many different types of projects. It's okay to um, serve different types of clients and get your cash flow going and get your business going. Um, but then for the long term, um, I would recommend that you pick a specialization and uh, focus on that specialization. It's, it can only do, you can only do you know, well as, as, as a specialist. It's always an advantage. Okay. All right. So, Khaled, I hope that answers your question. Um, Ruben, Ruben asks, any tips on finding specific challenges within an industry? Yes. Yeah, so, Finding specific challenges in the industry, you can do um, both primary research and secondary research. Primary research is when you speak with potential clients um, and understand what those challenges are. Um, and when you speak with those clients, you wanna understand what their current pains and frustrations are, what they're struggling most with, what is what they're completely fed up with um, in their, um, a day-to-day -day role as a professional as a, and as a buyer in that industry, um, what options they have currently to solve their current problems that they don't like, like what options are, are there that uh, they, are, they don't want to take, what stops them from achieving their, uh, their desired outcome. Those are the kinds of questions that you need to ask uh, while doing primary research. Also, what is the number one priority? In their, in their business? What, uh, why is that priority important? What is the cost of um, you know, inaction? What is the cost of staying in the status quo? So when you engage your market with these kinds of questions, you'll get um, an understanding of what their challenges are. And once you understand what the challenges are, you also wanna understand a lot more about their desired outcome, right? You've already, you've started asking them about their priorities in their business. Um, you want to ask them about, you know, what are they looking to win? What are they looking to retrieve in their business? What are they looking to escape from? Or when, what are they looking to stop happening in their business? These are all desires and outcomes, right? So understanding the challenges as I, as I uh, you know, laid them out and understanding the desired outcomes, that's what you um, want to look for and want to, want to you know, talk to um, uh, prospects about or prospective clients about. Um, the other way of finding out challenges is doing secondary research. Secondary research is looking and reading uh, research reports, market research reports, um, listening to uh, webinars on the topic, listening to podcasts on, on the topic, uh, YouTube videos, uh, and learning as much as possible 
and getting clues about what is wrong with the industry and what the challenges are, right? So you wanna do a healthy mix of uh, both primary and secondary research and, and find out what clients, uh, prospective clients are going through and uh, what their desired outcomes are, okay? So that's, that's Ruben's question. So Nicole asks, my focus was and has primarily been in the hospitality industry. Uh, with the pandemic, this industry has suffered financially. My question is, do you suggest diversifying and continue focusing on a specific industry? Again, it depends on the need of that industry. Like hospitality, when you say hospitality, you talk about hotels, you talk about restaurants. Um, what specific, you know, what, what specifically, um, what, what segment? In any case, like, that uh, the, the answer to that depends on whether you feel there is still a need in the industry. Go back to the, um, the framework that I gave you about understanding the challenges. Do hotels have certain new challenges now that you can fix using your expertise? Um, go in and you know, do your primary research and understand that. Um, and also, look at the, the, the size of the business, size of the segment, that a hospitality industry, can you identify like at least a thousand firms that you can potentially go in and, and target, right? Is the market big enough for you to specialize it uh, in that specific industry, right? I would say that don't exhaust the option of going specific because that's the fastest way to find success. At the same time, um, you got to ask yourself these questions, is this industry big enough? Is there a need in this industry which they which which prospective clients would pay for uh, and use my services for um, and how can i you know create an offering that entices these uh, prospective clients and you know makes them curious about my services and uh, makes buyers uh, invite me for a conversation right so you, you, those are the things that you need to think about and primarily it's that you know is there is still a need and can I fulfill and address that need? Nicole, feel free to um, ask a follow-up question if you feel that you need more info. John asks, if you establish yourself as a specialist, you can arrange referrals from generalists. Yeah, possible, finder's fee. Um, Ahmed says, I'm a specialist in my field. The clients are feeling I'm expensive. Before I quote, I'm told you're expensive. We cannot afford you. Whenever you have clients that say that they cannot afford you, it most likely means that you haven't um, expressed the value in a way which, uh, you know, basically they haven't seen the value that you bring to the table. If they see the value that you bring to the table, then uh, they're not going to find you expensive because they're going to think that, you know, this is worth it, right? You always want to be selling value um, at a discount, right? So if they say you're expensive, then they, it's most likely they simply haven't seen how you're going to come in and how, how are they going to get value from you, right? So that may, the, may be the problem. And it, I'm not saying that, you know, it's something that uh, is always your problem. It also may mean that you know, you're know you talking to the wrong, wrong type of clientele. Maybe there's another type of clientele. Maybe you move a little up market and uh, those folks may find um, you, know, you valuable. Again, this is a great time to uh, be iterative and execute that marketing strategy. So you have the, 
you've got a, a service which is you know an offering how you've the who is not kind of uh, uh, in place right now because these these folks are not seeing value so maybe you can kind of um, choose a different market and use the same offering and see if that fits right um, and, and stick with your uh, with your specialist expertise so in those three variables where can you you know mix and match and make sure that you're hitting all the right notes and you're utilizing your limited resources in order to get the best outcome for your business right that's the game in marketing strategy right so Ahmad, i would suggest that you try and see and and explore um, maybe different markets or you tweak your offering for the same market and make sure that they see the value in it and for and for them for you for them to see the value in it you have to first understand you know all the things that we talked about the challenges the pains um, um, you know what's what, what the current struggles are and where they want to go but you understand that equation then you're in a better position to um, offer something that is of value to them Okay, Bruno asks, what would you say is the number one thing that any consultant could do on their own to build credibility in the industry or subject matter experience? I think the, the number one thing consultants can do to build credibility in the industry or subject matter experience is to teach. Consultants, be teachers. When you teach your community and your audience um, what you know and even help them a little bit in their quest or in their child uh, uh, to address those their challenges, then you build affinity, and uh, you'll find that they keep coming back uh, and want more of you and more to listen to you, right? And and here's the uh, here's the kicker that you'll also find that when these when this when these individuals that you you speak with and you teach uh, need services such as yours you'll likely be the first person they think of. And then they'll come to you uh, when they're ready, ready to buy. So to build credibility, um, consultants become teachers. All right, guys, thank you so much. We're at the top of the hour and I appreciate all of you for hanging around and coming. And uh, I look forward to seeing you at the, next, um, at the next session, which is two weeks from now. Great, guys. Thank you so much and uh, have a great rest of the week and, uh, and weekend. Ciao. Thanks for listening right to the end. I appreciate your time. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and connect with me and say hi on LinkedIn. For video replays of these sessions, check out our YouTube channel. And most importantly, join us live to get all your questions answered at Consulting Growth Hour Live. All details in the show notes. See you next time.